Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. This message series is a licensed presentation of the RAM series and has received permission to include copyrighted RAM series content and to be based on components of the relationship attachment model. Therefore, any reproduction or distribution of the RAM or these messages is strictly prohibited. For licensing info, please contact www.ramseries.com. Hey, welcome everybody. Glad that you're here. Hey, I'm really excited uh, to tell you about something that we're starting next week. And uh, we're starting a brand new series called Head Games. I would argue that our biggest battle isn't with a virus, but what's going on up here in our mind. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about how we can master our thoughts and why that's such an important thing to do. And uh, before we hit next week, I hope you'll invite some friends to journey with you as uh, we learn about head games together. But before we get there, we are wrapping up our Crazy Stupid Love series. And over the last couple of weeks, we have been looking at at this model, it's called the relationship attachment model. It's something that was created by a guy named Dr. John Van Epp, who is Christian therapist and author. And uh, this model is a great visual for just the, the progress that all healthy and God-honoring relationships should take. And as we've gone through the series, we've talked about how our relationships run into problems when we go out of sequence with, with any of these. Now, this has been a really great series. God's done some really cool things throughout this series. And uh, one of the things that he has done is that we have seen over 100 people make first-time decisions to, to follow Jesus over the last few weeks. And if that's you, Pastor Forrest is going to come up a little bit later, and he is going to talk about a great next step uh, that you should take on your faith journey. So I hope that you'll stay tuned for that. And if you've missed any of the last four weeks where we've talked about these four areas right here, you can subscribe to our podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and uh, you can binge watch or listen to any of those. Now, today we finally get to the part where most of you guys have been waiting for us to get. We're going to talk about this last one right here. We're going to talk about touch. We're going to talk about sex today, but not until later, because here is the, the importance and the and the power of human touch in our lives. And I think over the last couple of weeks with social distancing, I only think that this has highlighted the reality of this. You see, the truth is, is that there is life-giving power that happens with human touch. In fact, if you're sitting next to your spouse right now or significant other or, or someone that, that you care about, here's what I want you to do. I want you to move close to them, so close to them that your legs touch each other. Okay, ready, go. All right, good. You feel uncomfortable? Good, I want you to see how long you can stay sitting this way. Now, let me give you some examples of just the life-giving power of, of human touch. A few years ago, the study was done that showed that if a waiter touched you, that you would actually tip more. Research shows that if a waiter touched you like on the shoulder or the hand for just up to three seconds, that the tip, your average tip would go up to 14.9% compared to 11.5% without it. 
Uh, moms, moms and families often get just huge marks for this when it comes to physical touch with kids. Uh, but studies are showing that dads and what dads do, uh, things that seem meaningless are actually now really showing that they're very meaningful things in the development of a child. Uh, physical touch like uh, tickling and wrestling and catching when, they, when, they, when your child jumps off of something. This is shown research-wise uh, that the more dads do this, the healthier your child will be socially and emotionally. You see, touch is just a very, very powerful thing. Now, if you're not convinced yet, I want you to take a look at this video from Australia. After three years of trying for a baby, we discovered that we were going to have twins. At 26 weeks, we were told I was going into labour early. It was the most frightening thing I've ever been told. The doctor turned and said, have you chosen a name for your son? And we said, yeah, his name's Jamie. And he just sat on the edge of the bed and said, Jamie didn't make it. I just grabbed the baby from the doctor. We put his skin against my skin, and then I just held him. So we told him that he had a sister and that her name was Emily and that she was gonna be okay and that he needed to look out for her. We made a lot of promises, which we're happy to keep. And then he started to move. And we thought, what's happening? And so we rang for the midwives to come back. We said, look, he's moving, he's breathing. And they said, he's dying, you need to say goodbye. We never let go of him. And then he opened his eyes and he grabbed David's finger and he held on and he laid his head back down on my chest and stared at his dad. We didn't stop touching them from the moment we got them home because we knew how valuable skin-on-skin -skin contact was. It's what had saved his life. The twins at five in March. Our lucky little third baby, Charlie, will be four in April. This is bliss, I'm so lucky. You know, I've seen that video uh, a handful of times, and eight, each time I see it, um, it's such a powerful video. I mean, that skin-on-skin that -skin touch saved the life of little Jamie. And what they're finding is that the practice of skin-on-skin -skin cuddling with newborns is something that's called kangaroo care. And that, that town in Australia, they have actually adopted this this practice, it's a standard practice now uh, with premature babies. And ever since they've done that, what they have found is that the preemie mortality rate has gone from 70% all the way down to 30%. I mean, it's just incredible stuff. Once again, that's the power of human touch. You know, there's life-giving power that happens with human touch. Jesus practiced this. Back then, when people had leprosy, they were quarantined from everyone for the rest of their life. And when Jesus would heal someone, he would often reach out his hand and touch them. You see, he knew this is how God wired us. Human touch, it is such a powerful thing. In fact, before we get uh, talking about sexual touch, can I just challenge you to, to grow in expressing affectionate 
loving touch to the people that are closest to you. And I feel like because of the culture we live in, I need to emphasize appropriate touch. It should be appropriate touch because touch always values the other person because it's always about the other person. Here's something else we need to know about the power of touch. That there is bond building power to sexual touch. And I think there's a a couple things that we need to understand about just this bond building power of sexual touch. You know, the first thing is, is that God says it's good. Our tendency is to think that God is anti-sex. But think about this. Who do you think created it? You know, it's not like Adam and Eve were walking in the garden one day and Adam, because this is going to come from Adam, you know, that, that Adam said to her, hey, hey, listen, honey, I was just thinking, uh, let's see if these two parts fit with each other. Well, then they find out they do. And then Adam's like, shh, don't tell God, you know, no, that's not what happened. God created it. He said it was good. In fact, he even commanded it. Listen to this. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. Here's how he blessed them. He said, be fruitful and multiply. If you want to get technical about it, God's very first command to them was have sex. Our sexuality isn't a bad thing. God said, it is good. You know, there's actually an entire book in the Bible. It's called the Song of Songs or the Song of Solomon, and it actually celebrates our sexuality using very poetic language that at times, well, it can make you blush a bit. You know, let me share a a part of that, a passage of that from the guy's point of view. Uh, Here's what the writer says. He said, this is coming from a guy. He says, I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit. Now, what do you think he's talking about there? He's going to tell you, may your breasts be like clusters of grapes on the vine, the fragrance of your breath like apples, and your mouth like the best wine. I dare you to take these two verses and put them on one of your social media platforms with this question. What do you think this means? No, I was just kidding. Please do not do that. Uh, I I can't help it. Every time I, I read these verses, I think about that old Steve Miller song. You are the cutest thing I ever did see. I really love your peaches. I want to shake your tree. You know, some of you will never be able to hear that song the same way ever again. Now, the sensual language just doesn't come from him. It also comes from her as well. Here's what she says. I belong to my beloved as desire is for me. Come, my beloved. Let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened. And if the pomegranates are in bloom, there I will give you my love. I think we all know the metaphors that she's talking about. She's using very descriptive, erotic, sexual language. You see, over and over again, we see that the Bible celebrates our sexuality, the bond-building power of it, and God says it's good. But while it's good, it's important to understand this. This is the second, second thing we should know, that sex has boundaries to it. You know, think about this. Every good thing has boundaries to it, right? You know, you've heard me say time and time again, just how much I love Dairy Queen blizzards. And when I go and get one, I mean, it's like a spiritual experience for me. You know, I love it first off, when it's done, they'll come out there 
and then they'll tip it upside down because they want to show you how thick it is. And I always pray when they do that, that it'll drop because if it does, then you get a free one. And then they set it down in front of you. And as they set it down in front of you, I just look at that thing and I can smell the ice cream. I know you're like, Mark, can you smell it? I, I can. And then, you know, you just start to taste it. And I'm telling you the heavens part for me. And I can hear God say, oh, Mark, it is good. And I'm like, God, it is good. But as good as it is, Here's what I would never do. I would never think about eating a blizzard for every meal because here's what I'd be doing. I'd be taking something that's good and I'd be using it in a way that's not good for me. You see, even good things have boundaries to them. Here's what the writer of of Hebrews says just about the importance of, of sex and boundaries. He writes this. He writes, honor marriage and guard the sacredness. And you think of sacredness, I just want you to think of uh, purity, exclusivity, the sacredness of sexual intimacy between wife and husband. And so honor your marriage and guard it. In other words, protect it. I want you to create boundaries so that we are able to experience all God has for it. And the way this happens and the way these boundaries are to be created is within the God-honoring covenant relationship of marriage when a man and a woman commit to one another for the rest of their lives. Why is that important? because of the bond-building power of sexual touch. You know, outside of it, you know, we, we see this. Outside of it, uh, people's hearts are broken. Uh, people get hurt, and they carry that hurt around with them into all their other relationships. Families get torn apart. Addictions can develop. Now, I know as I say that, I know that I'm kind of swimming upstream when it comes to culture standpoint, and people will be like, okay, Mark, you know, that's so old-fashioned. Uh, Mark, you know, it's not a big deal. We're just hooking up. We're just friends with benefits. I mean, it's only physical. I mean, you know, there, there's no connection. It's just kind of a harmless thing. Listen, if you've ever said that or you thought that, you have greatly underestimated just the, the bond-building power of sexual touch. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Here's how he's described. This is really powerful. He says, there's more to sex than mere skin on skin. Sex is as much spiritual mystery as physical fact. As written in the scripture, the two become one. Since we want to become spiritually one with the master, we must not pursue the kind of sex that avoids commitment and intimacy, leaving us more lonely than ever. The kind of sex that can never become one. When you have sex with another person, you aren't just touching their body, you're touching their soul as well. You see, we can't just give our body away without also giving our soul away because sex binds us. And then when we pull that apart, we leave a part of our soul behind. There are very few things more special and more sacred than our sexuality. And if you're not married, I want you to think about the dating relationship and I want you to think about creating boundaries when it comes to physical intimacy in a way where you say up front, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna honor God, not just with this area of our life, but all areas of our life. And we're gonna take this area of our life, the sexual, the sexual part of it, and we're gonna do it in a way that builds and adds life to the relationship God's way. You know, one of the, one of the life principles that uh, I, I have just always lived my life around in every area of my life, but it really helps me understand areas like this. And the principle is this, boundaries bring freedom. 
boundaries bring freedom. You see, God has put boundaries in place not to take the fun out of it, but actually to add to the fun of it because through his boundaries, we experience the freedom in it. You see, God doesn't want us to bond with anyone who's not our spouse, who won't be there for us in the future. So we know that sex is good, that sex needs to have boundaries for it, but it's also an essential important part of the marriage relationship. And because of that, I would bet that the sexual dimension of your marriage can get better. And there are just a, a few common obstacles that all couples uh, have to face. And these, these obstacles, they impact the sexual intimacy in their marriage. You know, here, here are a couple of them. You know, the first one is what I just call this. I call it the life happens obstacle. You know, when Don and I got married, no kids, and we just had jobs, and that was pretty much it. So we had all this time, and we had all this freedom. Well, then we have twins. And when we had twins, no more time, no more freedom. And we just went through a season where we were just tired all the time. And, you know, you might be in a season right now where you just, you just feel like you're tired all the time and it's complicating intimacy. You know, another obstacle is what is unresolved conflict. That when conflict in a marriage goes unresolved, it creates distance and connection in the relationship. And for some, this has gone on for years. Another obstacle, and this is a big one, it's unrealistic expectations. You know, some of you, you've watched so many Hollywood movies or even pornography about relationships and sex, and uh, you've, you've seen all these movies, and as a result, you bring these unrealistic expectations into the bedroom. You know, you think about when you watch movies in Hollywood, it's just like nonstop ecstasy, isn't it? And then as a result, you think that's the way it should be every time you connect with your spouse sexually. But here's what I want you to think about. The key is realistic expectations. You know, I, I don't want you to think about that it should always be the 4th of July when you connect with your spouse sexually. Maybe it's more like Groundhog's Day or maybe some other holiday. Now, I'm no expert when it comes to this whole topic, but I have done a lot of study and I've done a lot of research and I want to give you some practical things that you can do that will improve this area uh, in your marriage. And there are a few things that, that I think they seem small, but they will go a long way uh, in developing and increasing intimacy in your marriage. Here's the first one. I want you to build an atmosphere of affection. And a big part of this is actually found in non-sexual touching which I know some of you guys are like, non-sexual touching. What is this strange phenomena you speak of? You know, guys, when your lady, the lady in your life, when she says, I just want to be held, do you know what she's really saying? She's really saying that she wants to be held. This is not code for, I think she wants me to make my move now. Let me show you this number, 10. And let me tell you the significance of this number. Research shows that it takes 10 positive touches a day, 10 positive touches a day for a couple to feel close, for the emotional health of that couple to feel in a really, really good place, a really, really healthy place. 
10. 10 positive touches. So hugs, holding hands, arm in arm, maybe cheek on cheek sort of thing. You know, every positive touch matters. And so if you want the, you want the touch to go up in your marriage, you know, what number are you at? Are you at three today? Are you at five today? Are you at seven? What is that number? If you want the physical, if you want the touch to go up, you got to create the type of environment for that to happen. Here's another important thing that we can do. Increase what I call your commitment communication. You know, there's got to be intentional time outside of just, you know, talking about the day-to-day managing of life where you guys are connecting uh, with deep conversation with each other. This is why we always encourage date nights or go on walks where you can just have conversation with one another. You know, that conversation, it just creates deep connection. Do you know what Dr. John Van Epp says is the number one sexual conflict in a marriage? It's over frequency. The picture is, is that, you know, when you think about a man's sex drive, it often gives the picture of a light switch and you kind of just, you know, flip it on and uh, just ready to go really quickly. And then the picture of a woman's sex drive is like an iron. It takes time to warm up. Well, Dr. Van Epp talks about how uh, while this might be true, these are often used as stereotypes to make it seem like a man's sex drive is greater than a woman's, but that's actually not true. And he says, if there's, if there's conflict in this area, the best thing you can do is talk about it. Final thing you can do is maintain an attitude of giving. You know, a fulfilling sex life it doesn't begin in the bedroom. You know where it begins? It begins right here. It begins in the heart. Once again, here's what our guy, the Apostle Paul, he says. He says this, the marriage bed must be a place of mutuality. The husband seeking to satisfy his wife, the wife seeking to satisfy her husband. Marriage is not a place to stand up for your rights. Marriage is a decision to serve the other, whether in bed or out. You know, if you just heard me read that, and then you just gave your spouse a big elbow to the ribs. Listen, you've missed the point altogether. Marriage is an opportunity to serve the other person, to put the other person's needs ahead of your own, whether in bed or out. Listen, we're not always going to get this right, but I hope that we would get to a place where we're able to say, I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, but you know what? We are perfect for each other. And as I wrap up my time, I know because statistics show that in a church this size, that there are people who are single who have made mistakes in, in this area in their lives. Listen, welcome to the club because most of us have. And I also know because statistics show that in a church this size, that there are people who are married who have made mistakes in this area of, of your life, whether it be outside of marriage or maybe even pornography. Listen, you just need to know you're not alone. One of the things I love about Christianity is that the message of Christianity is called the gospel, literally the good news. And the good news is this, is that God sent his son into the world for us. And why did he do that? To save people like you and to save people like me who need amazing grace. And so if you're watching this and you wouldn't consider yourself a church person and you're like, I I can't do this. They have it all together. I don't have it all together. You just need to know, you know why the reason why we meet here and that we tune in together and we're a part of a church is because we don't have it all together. We all need the amazing grace of Jesus. Don and I started dating before uh, we made decisions to follow Jesus. And we brought 
so much brokenness and hurt and pain from our past into our relationship. And then after becoming uh, followers of Jesus and just learning about his plan for our relationship and then including our sexuality, it was one of those things that we were like, oh, I just wish we could go back and do it his way. One of the things that I did was I started to pray. And here was the prayer uh, that I would pray. I'd pray, hey, God, I can't go back and change the past. But would you make me pure again? Would you make me whole again? Some of you, you aren't whole in this area. And you've just left parts of your soul. And you don't even know where those parts are. I want you to understand that the God of the universe, he knows where every piece of your soul is. You might not know, but he does. And he loves you so much that he's willing to go and pick up every piece of every part of your soul and by his wonderful, amazing grace, knit it back together again so you can be whole, but only if you'll allow him to do so. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. And I want, uh, if you're with your spouse or significant other, I want you to just kind of grab their hand. Uh, maybe you're with your kids or you're with someone that you really care about. Maybe you put your arm around them in just an, an appropriate way. And uh, we're just going to take this time as we wrap up the series to just commit our relationships to our Heavenly Father. Let me pray for us. God, um, you are a relational God who made us for relationships and not just uh, standard, average relationships, but crazy, stupid, loving relationships. Father, I pray for all those who are in dating relationships right now, and maybe they're just learning about, about this is your plan. Father, I pray that they would create boundaries and set boundaries and say, no, we're going we're gonna to honor God in every area of our relationship. And for those who, who maybe aren't dating yet, but hope to be, um, God, I pray for their future uh, partner. And that this person, and that they would do this together, that they would honor you and experience all that you have uh, for their relationship. God, for the couples, the married couples, Father, for those that are struggling, I pray even right now that you would begin to do a work, a healing work uh, in those relationships. And uh, God, uh, what seems impossible for them that they would experience is possible with you. And Father, for other married couples that have, that have strong relationships, that you can always get it stronger. And uh, God, I just pray for our families across the board that uh, you would just build into our families, build something new, build something great, that we would experience the kind of vibrant, life-giving relationships that you created us to experience. God, thank you for the wisdom that we've been able to learn over the last couple of weeks. And uh, may this just not be a series that, you know, we go through and then we just kind of move on with life. May we be committed, committed to doing relationships your way. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.